0: Hello, and welcome to the Hidden Archives. I'm your host for the evening, Nicole Clark. We hope all of our American listeners had a happy Thanksgiving, and that you have overcome your turkey coma enough to enjoy tonight's offering. Though the story we are presenting today is a normal season story, we do want to let you know that we are gearing up for the holidays. As such, the next episode will be our yearly Christmas episode. We thought we would give you all some time to enjoy it before the big day. As always, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hidden Archives Podcast, and on Twitter at Podcast Hidden for any updates, behind-the-scenes stuff, and any extras we feel like throwing your way. An old friend of mine, one H.G. Wells, has asked me to share the following with you this evening. Face this world. Learn its ways. Watch it. Be careful of too hasty guesses at its meaning. In the end, you will find clues to it all. As always, we want to help you from taking hasty guesses and ask you to heed this advice as you learn our ways. Therefore, if you choose to enter the hidden archives, if you choose to study the tomes, if you choose to take this journey with me, you do so at your own risk. Profanity and disturbing content will follow. This is your warning. Usually, being given a second chance at things allows you to right past wrongs, practice what you have learned from mistakes, and may even lead to greater successes. However, in tonight's story, we meet someone whose past failures and shortcomings catch up with him in a terrible way. Sometimes, it's better to play it as it lies rather than to ask for yet another mulligan.
1: 30 years. 30 fucking years. The program has a reset limit of 100, and I'm about to reset it for the second to last time, the 99th time. I have to add just one last line of code, hope the RAM can take it, and if not, hope I can add one more in 30 more years. Fuck, man. That makes me like 3,000 years old. Let me explain the circumstances. A few years ago, before things got really bad, I discovered my dad's old Radio Shack TRS-80 pocket computer. I guess these things are more powerful than you could imagine, and my dad was a bigger genius than I thought. He was an engineer by trade, and always had a fascination with technology. He must have bought this little computer the day it came out. This computer allows you to write your own programs for just about anything as long as the computer has the memory to handle it. It runs on two watch batteries, has a data port for printing and the like, a multi line monochrome display, and is about the size of a checkbook. Not exceptionally powerful, but it did the trick back in the day. Especially for a genius like my dad. I, however, am a far cry from the likes of my father. Sometimes, the apple does fall far from the tree. I'm an unmotivated liquor store clerk, for fuck's sake. But my dad always believed in me. I guess that's why he sent this thing to me. He even included the book on how to use it, and a personal note on how to start. The note read, Dear son, I know you aren't proud of yourself, but I am so very proud of you. I have sent you some things that inspired me in my past, and I'm hoping they can do the same for you. But I need you to take care of one thing. There is a small personal computer included that should help you become the man I know you can be. I haven't really used it since I bought it, but I believe there are still some programs saved. Study the book, take a computer class at the local college, and I know you will be able to fix your situation. Love, Dad Usually, I don't invest a lot into myself, but this heartfelt note really inspired me, to the point that I did read the user's manual for the computer and took several programming classes at the community college. I felt I owed it to my dad to at least do this because, shortly after sending me the computer and note, It was revealed that my dad had dementia. His last real communication with me as himself was to let me know he was proud of me and to invest in me. I couldn't let him down. I know the point of the note was to motivate me to make something more of my life, not just to give me some antiquated technology from the 80s. It did say for me to fix my situation And this really hit home. My dad knew I wasn't where I wanted to be in life at this point. I had dropped out of art school before my third semester, kept the same dead-end job I was going to use to pay for school, and just kind of settled into a life of stationary, almost adequacy. But I did have some of my dad's passion for technology. After all, it was him that introduced me to my hobby of gaming by helping me build my first PC. Yeah, he sent me the computer as a push. A simple shove in a direction that I had some passion and skill for. That's why I ended up taking some programming classes at the local college. I thought, with some fundamental training, I could find an actual career and, thus, give my dad something to actually be proud of. That's also why I didn't even so much as power up the TRS-80 until recently. It was to be my reward to myself for getting a technical certification. A graduation gift, if you will. I knew that with my dad's condition, he would probably never actually understand any success I might achieve. But that wasn't the point. His heart was in the right place at the right time. He gave me the encouragement to try and live up to the expectations that he had for me. I mean, I wasn't always a loser. At some point in time, Had I made some better choices, I might have lived up to so much more. But in that third semester of art school, I just kind of gave up. I lost hope in myself. This was due to a lot of circumstances, all kind of culminating. My dad pretty much raised me on his own after my mom died when I was seven. It was a car crash. She should have lived, might have lived but her car's airbag system malfunctioned. I won't bother with too many details, but suffice it to say that I, obviously, took it hard. This was the first thing that happened in my life that really led me to start struggling. However, somehow my dad took it differently. He had a renewed determination to make the world a better place. He was already an engineer at that point but after finding out the reason for my mom's fatality, he became even more motivated to use his own education and training to start making the world a safer place. Hell, that may have actually been the second thing in my life that led me to struggle. Now, I'm not saying that it was my dad's fault. He did the best he could on his own for me, and only wanted me to be happy and to live a good life. But he pushed himself hard. He went back to school to further his education, to the point of earning his second doctorate. This left him pretty much absent from my life for a lot of years. There was a lot I had to figure out on my own. But instead, I kind of just gave up caring. I got involved in a lot of shit I probably shouldn't have. Drugs, delinquency, general mischief. I just lost my ability to really care but I'm not pointing the finger at anyone besides myself. Like I said, my dad did the best he could, not only for me, but for all of humanity. He always supported me, protected me, and guided me. He is the only reason I even started art school to begin with, said it was his job to make the world safer, and he had succeeded in many ways. And it could be my job to make it more beautiful. Well, I might have let him down there, but when he sent me that last package with the computer and the note, I finally felt some motivation to make him proud of me by maybe following somewhat in his footsteps. I mean, I might never work for a company like Dynacorp as he did, but I could maybe understand him a little bit better. Well, that all kind of brings me back here. We all know the world has kind of turned to shit lately. The last few years have certainly been something else, that's for sure. But my situation has improved. I did earn a technical certification recently, so I decided to finally start playing around with that little pocket computer. As my dad said in the note, there were some programs saved. I tried to run a few, but none of them seemed to do anything. It would try to run for a second, then would suddenly stop and report that there was an error. So I went into the programs to see what they consisted of. I couldn't make heads nor tails of what any of them were for, but I could see that there was a logic. The individual lines of code, however, looked mostly like nonsense. I spent some time flipping through the computer's booklet and looking through some notes that my dad had included but still wasn't able to come up with anything. I almost deleted the programs at one point to start fresh, but, thank God, I decided against it. Instead, I thought I might be able to make more sense of things if I hand-wrote the programs out, so I could see the whole picture. I mean, they were pretty short programs, so I didn't figure it'd be too much of a chore. There were seven programs in total, and each one could fit handwritten onto a single sheet of college-ruled notebook paper. It took maybe an hour and a half total to get them all written down. I started by analyzing them one at a time. In doing this, I was able to confirm that the logic I saw was genuine, but they made little more sense than before. So I laid them all out next to each other to see if there were any similarities. And there were but something still wasn't clicking. It almost seemed like a puzzle, that each individual program was just one part of the whole. Then I realized it, what I had to do. I lined them up from top to bottom, rather than side by side. Suddenly, it all made sense. It was one program. They were to be executed as commands one after the next but the little pocket computer couldn't handle this on its own. If you don't know too much about computers or programming, let me explain it like this. Think of each of the seven programs as a single instruction in a game that you are playing. If the game says, draw a card, this is one instruction. If the card drawn says, move your pawn three spaces, this is another instruction. And if the space your pawn lands on says, draw three new cards from the deck, then this is the third instruction. Finally, if one of the cards of the three you draw says, drawing this card means you win the game, then this final instruction ends the game. If the game represents the program, then it completes running. However, if you start by randomly moving the pawn three spaces without being instructed, or you just draw cards, then the game won't make any sense. Hence, the program won't run. You can't just execute one command or execute commands out of order and expect to win the game. It won't work. You have to play by the rules and follow the instructions in order. So essentially, By running just one program at a time, or by running them with no order, there's no way anything would happen. This would make the computer the game, but I had to tell it when to run the next program, when to take its turn. Now, to bring this back to my situation, I want to explain what I was seeing with the computer. There are numbered slots from one to 10. Slots 2 through 8 were occupied. These slots are the individual programs. But even though there is a sequence, they only run individually. I have to manually run each one. But when it completes, it's like it was never run. Going back to our game analogy, when I tell the computer to run the program, it is like I instruct it to take its turn or to draw its first card. But then, when it does, the action is complete. It draws the card, doesn't even look at it, puts it back in the deck, and it's like it never happened. If I then tell it to perform the action on the card, it has no idea what to do. Now, here was the problem. There was no way for me to tell the computer to run the programs one after the other, right? Each one was too big to include the instruction to do this at the end though I could fit a few more lines of code. However, with the first program slot being empty, I could write a new program to tell it to run them in sequence. So this is what I did. Program slots 1 through 8 were occupied with the addition of my new program in the number 1 slot. It was exciting. I could finally see what my dad's original program was supposed to do. I was thrilled to run it. Perhaps he included another message that would appear when it was all run. Perhaps it was some very early example of his work in artificial intelligence. I couldn't wait to find out. So, I cued it to run. It's no understatement to say that what happened next was a bit anticlimactic. It seemed like nothing happened. There was no error. The programs all ran, but when they finished, it just went back to normal. However, when I went back to the program list, I did see that one thing had changed. Suddenly, there was a program listed in the number 9 slot. It wasn't there before. I checked all of my handwritten notes. There was a hidden program that appeared to just write itself. I decided not to run this one, but rather to inspect it first. This new program was strange. It wasn't like the others at all. Without getting too technical, I noticed that there were two unique elements to it. First, it had what looked like a run limiter that listed 2 of 100, meaning, presumably, that the program could run only 100 times, and it was on its second run. It was run once before and was waiting for me to run it again for time number two. The other strange element was a sort of reset timer that was set at 30 times negative 365 with the number 24 set in brackets. This last bit had a line of code to be executed after, which was a 60 minute timer. Essentially, what this means is that if I ran the program it would be the second time it was run. It would then start the timer and keep running the timer every hour, every day, 365 times until the sequence had completed 30 times, meaning it would run the program for 30 years. This was all very strange, but that wasn't the end of it. I realized that I couldn't change or alter anything in the program that now resided in the number 9 slot. I couldn't even delete the program. All I could do was run it. It had been run once, so I figured, what's the harm? You'll have to forgive me at this point. Some of the details are a bit... convoluted. I mean, all my memories are sharp. Too sharp. But it's hard to remember what happened when and which time. What I think I remember is that, when I went to run the program, I suddenly started feeling a bit ill. I was experiencing some deja vu, and my anxiety and stress seemed to double. And I could swear I was hearing my own thoughts louder. But I had been up too late playing with this stupid computer. It was probably just that, right? Well, fuck I hit execute, and that brings me here. Back here? It's all very difficult to explain. How about you? I mean, have you ever had deja vu? Ever felt like you've done this before? Been there, seen that? Heard this brand new song, which you inexplicably know the fucking lyrics in the chorus to? Shit, man. I'm already starting to break. How about that coworker, The really flaky one that can't come into work today because his grandmother died. The same grandmother that died two weeks ago. And three months before that. And a year ago, too. How about that one? How do you explain that, huh? Then there's the voices. So many goddamn voices inside your head. And they're screaming outside your window too. It's calamity. And no one knows what's going on. Or what happened. Or what to do. Or how to do it. It's all fucking downhill from here, brother. And there ain't a goddamn thing to be done about it. Fucking hell. I I need to get back to this computer thing. Ugh. <sighs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. I didn't remember a damn thing until yesterday. I was playing with that pocket computer, the TRS-90 or whatever the fuck. I was trying to figure out that program, but I noticed, in the program in the number 9 slot, the run limiter was at 3, and the timer was still running. But here's the weird part. I didn't notice any of that. I just saw it for the first time. I'd never laid eyes on that device or the program before. When I first turned it on, programs two through nine were there. So I built the first program, the one that makes them run in sequence. You know the story. But I had to wait for the time to be up to run it at all. Time ran out. And you know what? Program number 9 disappeared. I thought, huh, that's fucking weird, and just left it at that. Just, huh, that's fucking weird. So I ran programs 1 through 8, and lo and B fucking hold, number 9 shows back up. But if you were paying attention, that isn't how it happened. Originally, I told you the programs were in the slots too. Through eight, How can that be true, when I just told you they were 2 through 9? Well, that's a damn good question, isn't it? Especially when now, it's also simultaneously 1 through 9, then 1 through 8, and now 1 through 9 again. Numbers! Fuck! Look, I'm really sorry. This is all just hitting really hard and I'm trying to stay on track. I'll explain, I promise. It'll make more sense. So yeah, I had to wait for the timer to run out so I could run the program. Well, time ran out. Programs 1 through 8 are there. I run it all, and the ninth one shows back up. Again, I start feeling super ill. My anxiety has tripled. I got some really strong déjà vu. I swear to god, I'm hearing voices again. No. No, that's that's not right. I was definitely hearing voices. It was my neighbors. They were they were screaming. And there was screaming in the streets too. I put the computer down and walked to my front door. I opened the door, still feeling sick as hell, and peered into the hallway of my apartment building. A few other tenants had done the same thing. They looked every bit as bad as I felt. My neighbor, three doors down, well, her little girl, was screaming behind the door. God, it was awful. Something about her parents, and it happened twice. Thing is, her parents are dead. My neighbor is actually this little girl's aunt who took her in after the girl's parents died in a car crash. Just like my mom. That's actually how I know. We attend this family group grief thing for car crashes. Something fucked up was going on. I knew it, but I wanted nothing to do with it, so I retreated back inside my own apartment and locked the door behind me. I wondered what the fuck was happening. Like, if it was some huge mass hysteria thing, so I turned on the local news. The anchor for the news station was just sitting there, though. She was all leaned back in her chair, staring at the ceiling. I thought she was dead or something. But then she let out this blood-curdling scream, turned to her side, and vomited behind the desk. Then she shattered a coffee mug on the desk, picked up one of the shards, and slit her own wrist on live fucking TV. That's when I noticed the camera was slightly sideways and tilted down. The camera person had just abandoned their station. This shit was happening to everyone, and I knew I had something to do with it. I could remember it all. But what could I do about it? And what did it actually have to do with me? I had some inclination, but I wasn't in a rational state of mind, and things only seemed to be getting worse, or more extreme. I was kind of in a daze when I picked the pocket computer up off the table. I remember going into the slot for the 10th program, the last empty program slot. I started compiling a program, basically on autopilot, and went as far as I could. Hell, I probably spent almost an hour building the initial program in the 10th slot. There was still room to build, but I couldn't take it anymore. I hit run for all the programs. So that was last time. I found the computer again yesterday and, again, the counter was at 4 of 100. I added more into the program in slot 10 and hit run. Just seeing that newscaster puke his guts out sent me over the edge. I knew what was coming next. I couldn't add too much into the program before I had to hit run. I think I heard my neighbor shoot himself across the hall. I don't know, though. You aren't exactly allowed to own guns where I live. I wouldn't be surprised, though. I think at this point, you've probably figured out what the computer does with the program, even if you don't have all the details. Well, the details change slightly. But I'll get to that soon. Anyway, yeah, the program is a time travel program of sorts. Well, not so much time travel, I guess, as it's a time reset program. It sets everything back 30 years from the time I run the full program. Then those 30 years are just done again. Clean slate, fresh start. That's it until the 30 years are up then it's all new from there on out. Uncharted territory. When it gets to this point, I remember all of those years. Not just the 30 I just completed, but the 30 years I reset before that. And the 30 years before that. And so on. And so does everyone else. Can't remember Jack's shit while the timer's running, while the time is still on the current playthrough. Well, except for the 30 years leading up to the inevitable running of the program. But between the timer expiring and me making the fateful choice of pushing run, it all comes flooding back. Today, when I found the computer, the counter was at 99 of 100. This means that, when I push run in just a few minutes, it will run its 99th time. When time expires? Well, let's just hope I have a solution. I mean, when it all comes flooding back, it hits hard. Remember that time you broke your arm? Imagine that happening 99 times. How about when your dog died? All that grief? Feel it 99 times over. 99 times stronger. When your mom died, you get the picture. Sure, some of the details change. For example, sometimes my mom dies in a car crash. Sometimes she dies on the way to the hospital after the crash. But something always happens. Sometimes the news anchor is a lady. Sometimes a man. Sometimes it's a team of two people. But they always scream with the realization, and they always puke behind the desk, and they always take their own lives on live TV. Just imagine your brain trying to make sense of all this. All the information is true. It's all real. It all happened. But sometimes it doesn't happen in the same way. But... It. Always. Happens that, and her brain has to suddenly process lifetimes of grief, pain, joy, laughter, tears, and rejection. Sure, there are happy times. Remember that time you hit the grand slam that won your little league game? How about that time your dad told you he was proud of you? Or the time you held your daughter for the first time when she was born? Yeah, you get that 99 times. But the thing about the human mind is that it focuses on the negative feelings and emotions more strongly. Every hurtful word, awkward moment, every broken bone, every midnight phone call. You remember that shit. Now let's do some math. If the program resets time 30 years, and it has been run 98 times, then that gives us 30 times 98, which equals 2,940 years, plus your actual age. That makes me, like I said at the start, around 3,000 years old. But I don't look a day over 35. That also means that I have close to 3,000 years of thoughts, experiences, and emotions to process. And it all hits at once. That's why I don't have a lot of time to run the program after the timer runs out. I don't know who, how, or why it was originally run. Remember, when I found it, it was at 2. It was ready for the second run. Who ran the first? Must have been my dad. That must be why he sent it to me. But how could he remember? Is that the reason for his dementia? I do know he always gets dementia. It is possible, I suppose, that he wanted me to fix it. I mean, he must have originally had the program in slot 1 to run the sequence. But why create such a thing to begin with? Perhaps he didn't know what would happen when time runs out. Or maybe he did, but knew he would have dementia either way, so he would be immune to its effects. But it just isn't like him to not give a shit. Oh fuck. I understand. He couldn't fix it. I see that now. You can't make a program in Slot 10 until it has finished running the rest of the programs. He needed me to fix it. And God damn it, I'm trying. That's what Slot 10 is for. Over the years, I've been compiling a program to erase everything, except for the 30 years up to the point when the time expires. But I can only manage one line of code or so before I can't take it and either have to hit run or kill myself. Even if I could get past that, I only have one more shot after this. Number 100 of 100 comes next. No more retries, no more do-overs, no more mulligans. And here's the tough part. Slot 10 is always empty when I find the computer again. I have to remake it ...from memory... ...every time. If I forget the line of code I did last time... ...or if it doesn't work... ...or if I just don't have it in me... ...it doesn't get done. And I know I've fucked it up in the past. That's why at this point I only have seven lines of code. Seven. And if I hadn't fucked up so many times along the way... ...I might have over a hundred... What a time to come to this realization. Fuck.
0: seems like our character's father should have started that note with, Stop me if you've heard this one! But time travel is always such a tricky subject. Thank you all again for joining us as we share these horrors with you. If this story didn't really work for you, we ask that you will grant us another chance at a mulligan as we return in two weeks for our annual Christmas episode. There are many more stories from the hidden archives that have yet to be shared. We hope that you join us next time for another Glimpse Within. This has been a production of the Rhodes Collaborative Experience, LLC. Please no reproduction, duplication, or bastardization of any content without written consent from RCX or its partners. Ex animo, ex tempus, and archivum.